2: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Championship Roundtable in which we're going to discuss what's been happening over the opening weekend. I'm your host Jake Jackman and you can reach us at the show by emailing us at championshiproundtable at gmail.com.
0: I'm Oli Fisher, a Huddersfield Town fan. My Twitter is at Oli Fisher uh, and I currently don't write about Huddersfield Town for a website but I've got my own website called Sempre Milan where I write about AC Milan.
3: My name's uh, James James Evans, uh, but it's Jim E. Evans on Twitter. I'm, for some reason, I'm the uh, shoot football blogger for QPR. Uh, and, and for my real job, I work on the TV quizness. For those of you that like quizzes.
1: Hello, uh, my name's Louis Shackshaft. My Twitter handle is uh, just my name, so at Louis Shackshaft. I also, like James, I uh, write for shoot. I represent Sheffield Wednesday. Uh I am their blogger, and I also have done recent work for Transfer Bible and uh the Sheffield Star.
2: yeah, thanks so much for joining us today guys we'll uh start with making the rounds where each of us will have a few minutes to discuss what's been going on over the last week uh starting with our opening game and then if um, anything else as well. so we'll start with you uh Ollie um a tight home win over Brentford, so we start the season with three points um from what I heard, it could have been a lot more and I think Huddersfield had had the better of the game. So what, was, what are your thoughts on the game and sort of the summer as a whole?
0: Yeah, um, I think obviously as a club we're in a in a massive transitional period. Um, we've made, uh, I think it's 11 summer signings um, in what is David Wagner's first full summer uh, and he's done a good job of overhauling the squad, he's brought in good bits of quality and um, we've seen some of that come together through pre-season. Um, I think the two main pre-season games that we had were against Bundesliga teams in Werder Bremen and Ingolstadt and we didn't concede against either of those so it shows that um, we've improved the defence which is something that we really needed to do um, and the first game against Brentford in a way was a remarkable bit of symmetry because we played them last game of last season at home and got absolutely played off the park by them and lost 5-1 Um and I think that, in a way, the last two games of last season for us were a blessing in disguise. Um, we lost 4-0 at Bristol City the game before that as well um, because it showed that although the, the playing style is it became better to watch and we were playing much fluently, um, we still weren't tight enough at the back and we've addressed that this summer. And we saw that on Saturday um, with what was one of the best opening game performances that I can remember from us in recent times. Uh, We're renowned for bottling opening day big time. Uh, But we were pretty good yesterday. We were bright in the first half. Brentford didn't seem to have an answer to our pressing game. Uh, I saw a Brentford fan say on Twitter that we looked about three weeks ahead of them in terms of fitness, which I think we have to be to play the the style that we want to. And ultimately, we wore them down over over the course of 90 minutes. And even when they got back into the game with the equaliser, we um, we showed the composure to just go to the other end and, and make sure that we got the three points that we deserved. And it was two two lone signings that got the goals. First of all, it was Kachunga, who actually came from Ingolstadt, who we played in pre-season. And then uh, Casey Palmer, who is obviously very highly rated in the Chelsea set-up. For a 19-year-old, for him to come on and score with his second touch was, was a moment that he'll probably never forget. But the most important thing, I guess, is to start off the season with three points. So that's what we did. And yeah, hopefully we we can go under the radar a little bit this season and surprise a few
2: teams. Yeah, you touched on uh, Kachunga there. He, he scored in his debut and he uh, looking like a great loan signing. Where do you think uh, Narky Wells is going to fit in when he does come back or if he fits in at all?
0: Well, it's interesting because... Um, Mackie Wells has missed the last couple of weeks due to a, a knee injury, um, which means that technically he's, he's two weeks behind in terms of fitness. Um, and I've, I've seen a few people who, who share the opinion that actually, based on what we've seen from Kachunga both in pre-season and on Saturday, that he's actually the better, better striker at the moment, um, which is remarkable given that obviously Wells was our top scorer last season and he was one of the lone bright spots in what was a pretty dismal season. Um, So I don't honestly know where he fits in now. There's been talk that there's bids coming in from Norwich and Derby. I don't know what to believe of that. But let's say hypothetically that we managed to keep him. I can honestly see Wagner going with Kachunga up front for most games in a 4-2-3-1, which means that Wells will probably be playing off the bench, which is something that he might not be happy about, but it's up to him to then go and prove that, you know, he's the right man to lead the forward line. And the only way he can do that is by scoring
2: goals. Yeah, we'll move on to you now, James. Um, Obviously, you had a great win to kick off the season, 3-0 over Leeds United. Just talk us through moving on over the summer and your uh, first game.
3: Yeah, no, of course. Um, Well, I mean, over the summer, I think we came back quite early, about seven weeks ago. And then it was QPR's, a lot of QPR's usual pre-season friendly teams, Northampton, Wickham, Aldershot. We always seemed to play those sort of teams and we weren't really pulling up any trees. We had a little tour to Holland and it was meant to be a game against PSV in front of loads of people. Then for some reason they got played behind doors, which uh, didn't go down well with a lot of people that went uh, over. But in fairness, the CEO of of QPR was there and uh, Lee Hughes and, uh, I mean, I don't know if it was him personally or the board uh, or whatever, but they paid for they paid for a lot of drinks or an open bar for a lot of the people that went, which is quite a nice touch. And then just before pre-season, you know, we had a nice 1-0 win, or was it 1-0 or 2-0 win, uh, over Watford at Loftus Road, which was the only kind of home uh, pre-season friendly that, um, that QPL had. And, I mean, Watford was slightly behind us in terms of prep uh but I mean that's not to take anything away from how qPR did it was pretty um it was pretty good against Watford and then that sort of led led into led into today and well it's sunday when we played and we looked i mean it's 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 worrying to be optimistic after one game but I can't remember QPR looking that good under Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank last season. We weren't dreadful, but I mean, we over the whole course of the year. I know he wasn't there the whole time, but we drew eighteen times, so we were good at turning a win into a draw and a defeat into a draw. But we couldn't seem to shift on. Um, but today, four two three one also uh, seems to be his favoured formation. Alex, I mean, leads weren't dreadful, but Alex Smithy's QPR keeper didn't have to make a single save. If there's ever any highlights floating about, which I'm sure there are, you, won't, you will see that he hasn't really had to make a save the whole match. It's oddly uncomfortable, like, that, that easy a win. I mean, previous seasons not too long ago, I think we lost 5-0 or 5 on to Swansea. We lost 4-0 to Bolton uh, opening day. And so, you know... And I mean, even the I remember the year we won the championship, Leeds did us both times. They were the only team to beat us that year. So to kind of win 3-0 um, and quite comfortably was just slightly unsettling. But it was encouraging. It was encouraging. I mean, I still think we're a bit short um, out wide. Uh, we have Ben Gladwin and um, Olamide Shadipo making his debut from the QPR youth team. Um, and Shadipo did, did well. Um, but I still think we're lacking slightly in wide areas but it was really encouraging as a as an opening day i i, I don't i I'm, un, I'm uncomfortable with feeling positive about qpr at the moment but that that's how i am
2: yeah well you should be i mean three 0 on the opening day is a great result um just one thing i'd like to ask you is since relegation a, appears to be like a major change in strategy namely in recruitment do you agree with it and do you think it's uh starting to you know work out
3: yeah, I do. I mean, like, ultimately, we've got a really small stadium for the championship. And I'm not saying that a stadium dictates everything. But, um, you know, I remember when, when when Hughes was in charge all those years ago, you know, 18,000 seater stadium and we had two international goalkeepers. Uh, but those sort of days have certainly gone. And actually, you know, as we had a pre- previously had a Huddersfield, got another Huddersfield fan on the pod, uh, you know, uh, I don't know I don't know if you, you guys didn't rate Alex Smithies, but he's been fantastic. And he was in terms of the new recruitment, one of the first early ones that came in and you were just like, hang on, we've not paid this much. He's quite young. He's played at this level quite a bit. It's quite positive and um I totally agree with it. You've got to cut your cloth accordingly. Um, you know, we I, I see QPR as kind of a big small club, um, rather than the other way around. Um, and it's and it's quite it's refreshing, but it's exactly what we needed, and I think I think it's good. I mean, picking up Jordan Cousins for like 1.25 million, whatever it was, it's a great bit of business.
2: Louis, Louis we'll just uh, come on to you now. We're recording just after Sheffield Wednesday beat Aston Villa 1 0 at home uh, after a late Forestieri winner. How are you feeling about the season and like, how did you rate the game as a whole?
1: Uh... To be honest,
2: I'm feeling positive, especially after today and today's result.
1: Um, I went into the game feeling confident. Um, I expected us to win because our home form is very good. I know Aston Villa have recently come down, so you don't know what to expect from that kind of team going into a bit of an unknown league for them. Uh, But over the course of the summer, we've had a really, really good um, pre-season so I think we've only lost which was like a, a training game uh, away in Portugal so we've played like a non-league team league one team uh, we've played Benfica and we've managed to beat all them teams in pre-season Forestieri I mean it was man of the match today against uh, Aston Villa he's been on absolute fire in pre-season so he's continued that good run Um so yeah definitely feeling positive today after the Aston Villa game I thought Particularly Forestieri, uh, again, was lively as ever. Uh, we just brought in Daniel Poodle on a permanent transfer. He was consistent, as was Kieran Lee. Um, the only disappointment, or two disappointing things, what came out of today against Aston Villa for me was a Ross Wallace dive. Um, <laughs> complete simulation is something I don't like to see, especially uh, players wearing. Um, a Wednesday shirt it's just something that I can't comprehend Um so that was disappointing the other disappointing thing for me was I was really looking forward to seeing Stephen Fletcher play up front today um, and how he would link up with Forestieri and obviously he's gone off really badly injured uh, with a head injury after about 20-25 minutes and up to that point he was doing well he was winning headers um, he was getting in the box um And up to that point, yeah, like I say, he was doing well and he had to go off. Um, But that was disappointing. Other than that, I thought we managed the game really well. First 20 minutes and after the Fletcher injury, that's when Aston Villa really came into the game.
2: This season, unlike last year, there's a lot of uh, expectation on Sheffield Wednesday to challenge in the top six. Do you think this could have a negative effect as opposed to last year where not a lot was expected and they surged up unexpectedly?
1: Um, I did think that initially. I thought that myself. Um, Like you say, we lost at Wembley. We were 90 minutes away from playing Premier League football. Um, I really did think, like you say, could this have a negative effect on the team? Um, However, luckily, we've got a chairman and a manager who do really know what they're doing or seem to know what they're doing. I know it's only early days. We've won one out of one game. Great start. But Only time will tell. However, the the positive thing for me is over the summer, we've we've brought in the players um, where where we needed strengthening as opposed to just any old player what would look good on the pitch or on the bench. We've brought in such as Stephen Fletcher, who's an upgrade to Ati Nuiu. So we've improved in that department, who's going to win headers and flick-ons for such as Forestieri and Hooper. Uh, we've brought in another wide man only a couple of days ago, so we brought in Will Buckley, who I don't expect to fall straight into the first team, if not at all. I mean, he, he might be a kind of... He, he weren't in the first-team squad today. He may initially start playing like on a cup game on Tuesday. Uh, we've got Cambridge. Uh, so he may play in that if he's fit. Um, but then, obviously, we, we've, we've brought in Daniel Padil, who was consistent last season. He was a great signing at left-back. So although you mentioned... like. Negativity in the team because, obviously, like I said, they were ninety minutes away from Premier League football. Um, I really think we've strengthened in the right areas, and um, so we're only going to progress. And last season we finished sixth. This season, like I mentioned, hopefully we can push for that top four. If we were to buy another couple of players, I mean, we, for me, we we need another centre back. We need a strong, sturdy centre back who's going to challenge, such as Tom Lee's and Glenn Leuvens when he's fit as centre-back, because then we can play Hutchinson in a midfield role again if need be, especially away from home. Um, if we get one more defender and potentially another left-back or a left-sided player, we have been linked with Adam Reach of Middlesbrough. Um, I, f- I understand that uh, bid's been rejected. If, if, we, if we can strengthen in them areas, there's no re- reason why we can't challenge for third or second position this season. I, I just don't see why not at all.
2: Yeah, we'll just, uh, I'll move on to Newcastle now. Um, obviously, the game was awful, but I'll move on to that in a bit. Um, we started the week off in, with, with some positivity. We uh, signed Mo Diarme and uh, Kieran Clark, um to get another couple of bodies in and to add a bit of uh, depth to the squad, which was great. I think Diame is going to be a very, very good player. And I think when you saw the game on Friday, we were lacking somebody exactly like Diarme, somebody who's going to run from midfield, sort of power through uh, the opposition midfield and sort of, And and just carry that ball forward and create things. And we we massively lacked that uh, in our midfield on Friday. So I think he's going to be a great addition. I think he's probably going to come into the team on Saturday. And that's going to be very, very good for us. Uh, We're still looking at Anthony knockout. Although I don't think that's a deal that's going to happen. According to Benitez, he said that Brighton don't really want to uh, sell knockout, which is understandable, considering we're going to be challenging for the same places uh, this season, so I can understand why that's not happening, but he's he's another player who we need in that squad, so hopefully we can look in for some sort of winger to come into the squad and to add competition down that right-hand side. Um, Yeah, there's loads of positivity going into the game. We had um, a phone-in with Benitez um, on BBC Newcastle on Thursday, I think it was, and he... He was talking about how um, how good the preparations were and how he was taking the league seriously and how he'd done so much homework, and the way he was just talking to the fans just just built that positivity going into that first game, and then on uh, on the morning of the game, Jamal Lascelles was named captain, Dwight Gale got the number nine shirt, and again it just sort of created that optimism again. We, we all got behind the squad and we 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 thought going to Fulham. Fulham finished twentieth last year. They just lost Ross McCormack and uh, Moussa Dembele earlier in the summer. So we thought that's a really good game to kick off the season and hopefully get that, those first three points. But obviously that did not happen. Um, we did not play well in that game at all. I don't think um, we, we played long ball, which, which was a problem. I don't understand why we did it. We, we had Dwight Gale and Ayoze Perez up front who between them are probably about the size of a normal human being. So I don't understand why why he played those, why he played long ball with those two up front and then fulham they were so well organized they attacked set pieces matt smith was at was causing how a cool game and then you know we all know what happened next he scored from the set piece which which we've been conceding goals from set pieces all summer so it's not surprising and it should be an area that we're really targeting to strengthen and i thought when grant hanley came in i thought he'd add that physical presence to the back four and that sort of championship experience but he didn't have a great debut Jamal sales didn't have a great first game as captain there weren't many positives to take from the game. The only things that that did fill me with a bit of optimism were that Mo Diame is going to be coming into that team. Alexander Mitrovic is still to come back and he's going to add that physical presence up front. We're probably not going to play that badly again. I think Benitez is the man to sort out the problems. In the past, we've had Pardew and McLaren and when things haven't gone well, you think, you think, oh, it's not going to get better because they don't have a clue what they're doing. But Benitez is a world-class manager and hopefully he's going to put it right. It's only one game. Look, Everyone's, ev- everyone had a good laugh at Newcastle on Friday night. And, and understandably so, Benitez has gone from managing Real Madrid to being bottom of the championship within 12 months. That's hilarious. Let's be a good few laughs, laughs at Newcastle every time they lose. And I can understand that. I, but I think as the season progresses, we're going to have more wins and losses. And it, it's all going to be fine. We're going to be in that top six. I, I'm not as optimistic as everybody else that we're going to walk away with the league. But all oh, we're definitely going to be challenging at the top end of the table but I think it's going to be very difficult there's some very very good teams in the league this year and we, we've seen over the weekend there's a few other teams that are sort of developing like we spoke about earlier Huddersfield who are developing Bristol City got a good win and I think they've added some great players Fulham look like they're going to be a lot better than last season so it's just going to be a very competitive league and uh, you know I'm excited excited for the season but also apprehensive because I do not like having that favourites tag and it already looks like it's a bit heavy for a bit of our for some of our players which is a worry but hopefully we you know we get a few wins uh in the next few games and it sort of improves we'll just uh move into the topics for today uh one thing i noticed on friday was that the refereeing was slightly different to what i am used to in the premier league in terms of what is penalized and what isn't uh we'll just start with you ollie do you have any thoughts about the refereeing in in the league and do you think it differs that much from the premier league or just just think i just had one game where i noticed it a lot more and it's going to go back to the same
0: i think honestly so with the championship, the one thing that I would say is the refereeing is a little bit more inconsistent in terms of the the styles are different from game to game. Um, sometimes you'll get referees who are really, really picky and they want to be the centre of attention. Uh, they make debatable calls like penalty decisions and, the, you know, they're hasty um, with the cards and, and that can sometimes ruin a game. But then sometimes you'll also get referees who who just don't want to make a decision, and quite frankly, they look a bit scared. Um, just speaking, obviously from from a personal point of view, yesterday we had a referee called um, Jeff Eltringham, and I cannot remember us having him before. I normally make a note to see if we've if we've had him before. But I think he was a pretty good example of 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 what you can get from a typical championship ref, and who who likes to referee games the right way. Um, he let. He let advantages go, and you know he wasn't too keen to dish out cards, which which can sometimes ruin the competitiveness of a game. Um, and I, I think that overall he did a very good job as well. When when tempers do occasionally threaten to boil over, um, he manages to manages to control the situation pretty well. Um, but I think yeah, you were right. I think one thing you will find is that the refereeing from week to week is probably a little bit more inconsistent. Um, perhaps because the rule book isn't as strict. I mean, technically that that shouldn't be the case, but um, I think referees in the championship like to to referee their own way a little bit more, and I, I think that's something that you'll find. I don't know what what everyone else thinks.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know if that. I, I I agree actually. I don't know if that's kind of um, kind of especially that last point. I don't know if you feel like they're given a bit more freedom to sort of run the game as they as they see it. But you do. You do see a bit. You do see a bit more variety in terms of the level of um, level of refereeing. Um, that being said, um, kind of, the, the, I'd say if there was any huge difference between between the Premier League and the Championship, I think you get away with a little bit more physically in um, in the Championship than you do in the Premier League. Um, not so much kind of tackles from behind and stuff like that, but it feels like there's a few more sort of, you know, the sort of thing that you might wince at. Um, and then play tends to move on or advantage tends to happen a little bit more than from what I've seen kind of in the Premier League Um, but but you know there is that kind of you know referees obviously they're people they have different personalities so you can you can get a referee that loves a stop start loves the sound of their own whistle Um, by and large I would say it is I agree it is slightly more inconsistent but I think you know, from a purist point of view, you're more likely to see a game flow. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, I, I feel that games tend to stop less often than they do in the Premier League. I agree with you both, uh,
1: to be honest, uh, Ollie and James. I believe that the uh, inconsistency of referees in this championship um, is unbelievable, to be honest, at some times. I mean, obviously, Jake, you mentioned you saw Newcastle play and you thought it was slightly different. Um, I think totally on the day it can depend ultimately on the referee, uh, what kind of mood they're in. Uh, because I've seen referees give penalties for shirt-pulling, not for shirt-pulling. There's there's all sorts of things, especially last season as a Wednesday fan. Um, sometimes I think the uh, referee give a decision and, um, and they're afraid to make a bigger call. So it's easier to make a, a different decision. So for example, last season, you may remember where there was all this controversy of, over Fernando Forrestieri diving. Um, and it was, I think yellow carded or sent off on one occasion at Hull. Um, and he was booked for diving on about four occasions. And on three of those occasions, he hadn't dived on, he, he did on, he did on one of those. He could definitely a booking, but on three occasions, um, he did get booked for diving, and I think the referee in those situations were just afraid to make the bigger call of send, either sending off a defender when it were one-on-one. I think it was Dawson at Hull in, on this occasion. But in the Premier League, I think the step-up of referee in making those bigger calls, giving penalties when it's a shirt pull in the box, um, simulation, different things like that, I, I completely agree with the inconsistency, uh, inconsistency from you guys.
2: Yeah, I think they were all fair points. I think um, we saw on um, Friday we didn't get a penalty decision, which we probably should have got. And I just think the overall quality of uh, the, the refereeing is may- maybe on a step lower than the Premier League, which is which is completely understandable, considering it is is the tier below. Uh, Another thing I noticed was on set pieces. There was a bit more sort of pulling and people weren't getting talked to as much as they do in the premier league. And, and, and I'm sure as a, as we progress game by game, I'm going to notice there's a slight differences between each referee and it can completely uh, depend on, on who you get and it's sort of what mood they're in. Uh, I did think going into the season that maybe Newcastle would get more decisions based on being the favourites and sort of having Rafa Benitez as its manager. Maybe that, that is a bit optimistic for me, thinking that we were going to get the, the favourable calls. As That definitely wasn't the case on Friday, when we definitely should have had at least one penalty. I'm not completely convinced by the other penalty shouts, but there was definitely one in the first half where there was a handball off a, a, a cross from Matt Ritchie, and that probably should have been given. But yeah, I, I completely agree with uh, those points.
0: I don't think you can expect to get
2: favourable treatment just because you're
0: a big club in the league. <laughs> that's all I will say.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that has maybe been a bit a bit optimistic. Uh, I'm just so used to Man United and, and things getting the big calls. It, it wasn't so much because we're Newcastle United; it was just because we had Rafa Benitez. I thought so, some referees might just pander to him a little bit, but obviously not. And I, I, I don't want them to. I, I, I just want it to be a fair game, and I, I want just the right decisions to be given at the end of the day. And and we were on the wrong end of that on Friday, but I'm sure at some point in the season, we'll probably get get a very debatable penalty call, or we're going to get away with one. And you know, that's just the the season and it all evens itself up in the end. So we'll just move on to the next topic. Uh, The transfer window has only uh, less than a month to run now, and they've stopped the emergency loan window. So championship clubs can't bring in players outside of the the transfer window. So we'll start with you, Oli. Do you think Huddersfield need to strengthen? And if so, what positions?
0: Um, I think, obviously, first of all, we've done a very, very good job over the summer of of making good acquisitions early on that that are really for the benefit of the team. We essentially have now an entirely new defence. We signed a German left-back in Chris Lowe, um, two centre-backs in Chris Schindler and Michael Heffler. Schindler's a club record signing. It was nearly £2 million. We also signed another defender from Dortmund, um, John Stankovic, uh, who was forced to sit on the bench yesterday because uh, we've still got Mark Hudson who, who is doing a good job at championship level um, and yeah we've we've brought in a, a load of midfielders, um, obviously Kachunga up front um, Casey Palmer and Jack Payne uh, two attacking midfielders as well um, Rajiv Van Lepara who's a winger has signed on a permanent basis uh, Danny Ward um, has signed obviously on loan from Liverpool and then We've also got a guy called Coleman, who's a goalkeeper from Oldham, who was their first choice towards the back end of last season, I believe. So really, um, our squad should be pretty much set to go. But, you know, it's the transfer window and you can never tell what's round the corner. Um, there's been some talk, like I mentioned earlier today, about Naki Wells being a subject of a bid from Derby or Norwich or possibly both. I think that Dean Hoyle is the kind of chairman. We've seen this in the past, with, obviously with Jordan Rhodes in particular, where if the money is right for a player, then he will sell because no no player is a but at the end of the day. Um, Wells has become a bit of a, pa- a fan favourite, obviously he signed from Bradford, which was good for West Yorkshire bragging rights. Um, but yeah, if the right money comes along and we have a replacement lined up, I would expect that to be the only bit of business that we do. Uh, some... Some rumours have been linking us with Lewis McGugan, but again, I think that would only be if there was an outgoing player, possibly Philip Billing, uh, but I don't think that will be in this window. So I suppose it was a long way of answering the question, saying no, we, we probably won't do any more business between now and the end of the window.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkled down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
2: Yeah, James. Do you think uh, that's the same for QPR? Do you think that there's going to be more business? And if so, what sort of areas are you looking to strengthen? I think they might.
3: They might do a little bit more business. Um, they've bought. They've bought loads of people defensively, um, which is really encouraging. You know, very briefly, we have got um, Jake Bidwell, Brentford captain for the past couple of seasons at left back actually just refreshing, having a genuine left back play left back, uh, which is really good. We got Lynch from Huddersfield. I don't know how you feel about that. Um, And, and um, and I mean the thing is, I, it, it depends if Stephen Colker will go or not, whether we can play uh, buy more, and also um, whether Lynch will play a bit, because um, Anua seems to be put down at, at right back. And uh, I think with financial fair play, I mean that, that's a minefield. I don't fully understand to be honest, but I think QPR are a lot more wary these days in making sure they've got to comply to it. I think we spent between five and six, maybe a bit more now because we just signed a right winger, um, Bakoto, uh, from Mets. But QPR have spent five to seven million and bought five or six players, which is, you know, hilarious considering how they used to be. But the fact that uh, J. Emmanuel Thomas went out on loan, um, that leaves Sebastian Poulter and Connor Washington, who still hasn't scored for QPR. Uh despite fifteen starts, including substitutions and stuff like that, I bet mean, he's not really been given a big run. I feel like there might be one more person further up but but maybe it'll be alone. I don't know. I don't know um but I think maybe one more attacking option might happen, but other than that, I think they're looking all right.
2: Do you think there's going to be any outgoings at q p r or do you think it's it's only going to be incomings, if any the thing, I th-
3: it's, it's 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 a nice position that we're getting rid of these absolutely toxic assets that we've that we've had. I mean, I, I lord knows how Armand Traoré. I mean, he went on a free. Armand Traoré didn't play for eighteen months. This, ma- this man used to get cramp every seventy minutes. How he managed to secure a three-year deal at Forest is beyond me. I got some grief for being pretty clear about that on Twitter. Uh, but he's gone. And then in terms of what's left, I mean. Stephen Colker, maybe, but it depends. He sounds like he wants to stay, but you never know. Um, and then, obviously, there's uh, there's the, the, the lesser-seen Brazilian footballer, Sandro, um, who, I mean, you know, he couldn't finish a sentence, let alone a football match. Uh, I mean, so he's still floating about. And I, I'm not sure if there's there's really anybody else of kind of value. Hoylet didn't say yes to his contract, and uh, so he's without club. Um, and we got rid of Leo another player that I thought was utterly useless. Uh, three seasons, three seasons in English football, two, to, two relegations. Um, so, other than Sandro, I mean, I'm sure there's somebody else floating about, but he's the big one that we really need to shift on. I think.
2: Yeah, uh, Stephen Cork is an interesting one we were linked with him earlier in the window and I think he was a player that a lot of Newcastle fans wanted to buy but we ended up going for Grant Hanley who is a completely different footballer. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he stays and if he does stay, I think that would be, be a great move for the club because I think he, he's very good for this division so hopefully he does stay at QPR and sort of helps you Challenge for those playoff spots. So we'll just uh, move on to you now, Louis. Do you think there's going to be any more business at Sheffield Wednesday? So image mentioned earlier about a centre half possibly. Do you think that's something that could happen? And if so, what sort of player would you want to target?
1: Yeah, it, it will happen. Um, they will get two more players minimum, I believe, uh, to strengthen. We, we definitely need somebody at, at centre half as cover, uh, potentially a left back, as I mentioned. I mean. Over the summer, we, we did strengthen with Alman Abdi. Uh, we got him from Watford, spent 4 million. Uh, we brought in another goalkeeper. So we've got uh, Jake Keane also, we got from Norwich. Uh, so we have actually got like three or four goalkeepers on the books now. So uh, obviously, games come thick and fast in, in this league and, and with the Cup. So we we have got um, strength and depth. Uh, in goal um but regarding players coming in we we like I mentioned we, we were linked with Adam Reach from Middlesbrough who plays predominantly as left back or left winger um we we were mentioned to be linked with a player who I'm a bit unsure about he's called Gorain Endor um he plays as a centre-back or defensive midfielder and I think he's at Lens in France um He used to be on loan at Birmingham City. He's 32 years of age. I don't know a lot about him. He's Senegalese. Um, He's a player because I don't know a lot about him. I'd rather have been linked with somebody else. Um, I was going to mention, obviously, Stephen Colker. I was going to bring that up with you, James, also, uh, because I was just wondering uh, the situation with him, really. I know, obviously, he went to Liverpool on loan, um, stepped up a league. He's come back to you guys, so I'll ask you that at the end. But outgoings... um, like you mentioned, Ollie, you link with uh, Lewis McGugan. M- McGugan is somebody that our manager Carvajal does want to ho- offload, um, which is strange because obviously last season, when we bought McGugan, he was potentially our best technically minded and flair player who could get assist assists and score goals. Um, but he just for some reason or whatever reason, he just does not fit in our squad. I don't know if it's lack of motivation, that he doesn't track back. But he is a gifted player. So any team who are willing to take on Lewis McGugan are going to get a very, very good player. I just don't know whether it's his attitude what lets him down. Obviously, I don't know what goes off off the field, behind the scenes. Uh, but whoever will get Lewis McGugan is going to get a player who's going to score you eight to ten goals, probably this season he is a talent uh but yeah if i can ask you james regarding
3: colker what what is his situation i think i think the thing i think the thing with colker is um he's had a few problems off field i mean i can't really speculate because i don't know what they are but for some reason a couple of years ago qpr and crystal palace had joint christmas parties and he managed to get involved in a fracas there and he uh, and then it was another time that he got done for shoplifting and then he wasn't done for shoplifting um i think his off the field antics for lack of a better word have kind of affected affected him and then there's been such kind of there's not been that much stability at qpr really that whenever he's come back you know I, I think now there's a bit of a kind of stability. You know, we've we've got a manager who's had a full pre-season, had a bit of the season before, and seems to like him. And he's come back, and he's, not that he le- ever looked out of shape, but he looks leaner, he looks trimmer. And he did an article in The Guardian not a couple of days ago about a visit to Sierra Leone, which I think his granddad uh, is from Sierra Leone. And it apparently, it sort of opened his mind, kind of, gave him a new perspective on life. And I've always thought it was in the head because as a footballer, he's got everything going for him. But I think from 19 to 20 to about how old he is now, 25, 24, 25, he's not really progressed. And that's why he's moved around that much. I think if he actually kind of focuses solely on his football and gets that right, then, he, he, he you know, he should be one of the best centre-halves in the league, easily.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I went... To Anfield last season, and strangely enough, I saw him playing a three-all draw against Arsenal, and he was brought on as a substitute. You may remember in the 80th minute, and he actually played oh. a few games up front.
3: Um, oh, the big, the big man, the big target man.
1: Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that was strange for me to watch. Um, but obviously, since that. Point. He was obviously playing in the Premier League with Liverpool. He's come back to you guys, and I really does hope he does kick on and he stays with you guys and, and he ends up doing really well and you finishing a playoff spot minimum if, if you can do. Um, but it's with him being an Englishman as well, he, and he's such a, a young age. He, he is a talent, and um, I just hope he does, like I say, kick on and uh, he, he progresses
3: with you guys. Thanks. Me too, because because there isn't a huge flaw with his game. He's quick. He looks fairly intelligent. He can pass the ball. Um, you you know you kind of think you've got everything going for you game wise. He can be a ball playing centre half if he wants to be. I think I think that's it. And maybe you know with some players it just takes the penny to drop a bit longer, or them to you know you never know kind of. Uh, I think in that article, in the Guardian article, he spoke about how these kids in Syria run to school, and he said he used to run away from school. Um, and maybe just maybe the crowd he has outside, uh, who knows? But uh, I, 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 I certainly hope I hope he stays, and I hope he does well. Or if he doesn't stay, that at least we get some decent money for him. But I, I'm hoping he stays. But you never know a QPR; they, they they love selling a player.
2: That's certain that, They are some really interesting points about Stephen Corker because I remember uh, when he was a young player at Spurs, he did get an England call-up, and he, and he did, you know, he was tipped for big things and sort of seen as one of the future England centre halves, and he was going to get sort of eighty, ninety caps, and it, there was a lot of big hype about him, and he's sort of gone off the gone off the rails, and I'd say he hasn't not only not progressed, he, he's regressed as well as a footballer. So hopefully this season is the one for him to get back. Uh, to doing what he does best and he can hopefully you know go some way to fulfilling that potential but uh moving on to Newcastle and their transfer business although we spent god knows how much money I think at one point we spent more money than the other 23 clubs combined I don't think that's true anymore because of the McCormack deal but you know I think we're going to bring in a couple more players at least um Peter Crouch and Daryl Murphy have both been linked uh incredibly to Newcastle over the summer I think that's the type of forward we are going to buy because uh on Friday we looked lost um without Mitrovic and, and Gail as, as good as he is at scoring goals, I don't think he, he's a player who's going to hold up the ball and sort of get those midfield runners into play. So I think that's definitely a, a, an area we need to strengthen. And I wouldn't mind if it's not a big name. Uh, I see some Newcastle fans want Abel Hernandez from Hull. I don't think I want him purely because we've got Mitrovic and I have a full faith in him getting back to what he does best. And, sort of, and I think in the championship, he's going to do very well in this league. So I wouldn't get somebody... A, a big name player but a peter crouch would be perfect i think he'd come in sort of cover those games play sort of start maybe like 10 to 15 games and come on in a lot more and he'd, he'd add experience and i think he'd, he'd get goals in the championships so i think he's a player we should look for i think we're also going to look for a winger and a left back we're linked with browning from everton today on loan i think he'd be a good uh signing purely because we got paul dummett who uh just leave our side unbalanced. He, he can't get forward. Uh, he's rash at the back, and I, I think he's in the long term going to be a centre back. So, hopefully, we um, get a new left back in just just to provide balance. And I think Rafa loves to have a balanced side. So I think that's definitely a position we're going to stre- uh, look to strengthen. But uh, I just want to move on to player watch quickly. Um, obviously, we all, all had games this weekend. Um, the, all three of you won, and, and sadly, I lost. But um, I just want to ask you which players sort of stood out, and if there's anyone, did anyone disappoint?
0: From from our point of view, it, it was mostly positives. Uh, like I said, it, it couldn't really get much worse after losing five one to the to um, to Brentford uh, last game of last season. So um, it was refreshing to see the the pressing game that Wagner's worked on while he's been here, and. It was also pretty pleasing to see the new signings managing to gel and play that system well. We played the four-two-three-one, like I mentioned, and and that seemed to work well. Uh, there were some doubts about whether Kachunga, due to his size, could could play as a lone striker, um, and I think that he actually did it exceptionally well. He used his he used his build, and he wasn't afraid to drift out wide because he knew he had support runners going into the box. Um, so. You know, he he was a big plus, but the the biggest positive for me, and I know there are a lot of town fans who feel the same way, is uh, Aaron Moy, who is um, a midfielder who we have on loan from Man City. Um, he was signed uh, this window actually from from Melbourne, um, and he just looked a class above in preseason. We were wondering if he was going to carry that over into into league football, and he he certainly did. He just looked so composed on the ball. He sees the pockets of space. He can pick 50-yard passes. Um, and, yeah, I think that it's a shame in a way because we know he's only a season-long loan and we've got absolutely no chance of signing him on a permanent basis. Uh, but, yeah, he, he was definitely the, the the standout performer. I suppose I also better mention quickly Schindler, um, our club record centre-back, who, who played alongside Mark Hudson. So, you know, a, a first-time Championship, uh, so first championship appearance again. Uh, partnered alongside a guy who's played hundreds of games in the in the championship, and honestly, you wouldn't have been able to tell the difference. Schindler slotted in there really well, made a lot of vital blocks, and showed good aerial ability. So, you know, from from front through to back, we we had a, we had a lot of bright spots on Saturday, which was nice to see.
2: Did anyone uh, disappoint, or did the whole team play well? And this It'd be unfair to pick somebody out.
0: Um, yeah, I think it would be unfair to pick anyone out as being disappointing. That I think the main thing with with town and it's been this way probably since I've started supporting them is that you know it, it doesn't really matter what happens as long as the fans can see that you're putting in a hundred percent. I imagine it's the same for for fans of every club, but you know everyone went out there and and I put a hundred percent in, and I know it's, it's such a cliche, but. Uh, that was that was the most pleasing thing. Um, in terms of you know anything individual errors or anything like that that you could penalise, I I can honestly say that um, that everyone was pretty faultless. I guess right back Tommy Smith, who's one of the few remaining members of the squad who got into the starting line-up from last season, uh, switched off a little bit for their equaliser, but really it came from nothing. So so I'd I'd be been very harsh if I, if I picked anyone out and said. Yeah, they had a shocker, you
2: know. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, James, would you agree for QPR? Was it was it only successful performances or did did anyone disappoint?
3: I think I'm hard to please. So there's all you know there, what's what's good, positive positively speaking, there are lots of people that you know, I was thinking about before before the pod who would I single out and it was hard because there were lots of people that played brilliantly. Um Massimo Luongo, uh, who we got from Swindon the year before um, you know, last summer. Uh, he was fantastic alongside Carl Henry, who has his detractors amongst the QPR fans. He got booed at points last season. I th- what is the point in booing your own player? But I thought those two were great. Sebastian Poulter, the our big German workhorse up front, brilliant and scored a really deserved goal in, in injury time. And... Uh, and then at the back, everybody was everybody was pretty solid. Um, disappointing, wise. Um, it's it's more. I just don't know if he's just not up to this uh, up to at this level. It's um, Ben Gladwin. He came along from Swindon Town with Massimo Luongo, sort of the a, a, a double deal, and I I don't know if they just decided to bring his mate along. I know that like he was like an usher or like the best man at Massimo Luongo's wedding or something. But Gladwin. You know, I'd never want people to do badly, but he just—he was just occupied. He got a yellow card in the first half, relatively early. Then just looked like he was afraid to put a foot in. I just feel like the championships a bit above him at the moment. I want to be proved wrong because every now and then he has a bit of skill that you're like, oh, hang on. Um, but he got—he—he he looked like he was going to get sent off at the beginning of the second half, and um, he got subbed and Jordan Cousins. Um, who can play right side of midfield, but I wouldn't say that's his best position, came on and did a much more sound job. So that's kind of the, the I wouldn't say negative, but he was slightly disappointing. Uh, that's hopefully that, that new guy, um, Bokote, that we signed will probably get in ahead of him. Um, but yeah, I mean, on the flip side, the positives, many, many good, many, many good ones. I mean, Jake Bidwell made his debut at left back and I God, he looks terrifying in a good way. Uh, and um, yeah, it was positive overall for many of the many of the players.
2: Moving on to Sheffield Wednesday, obviously the match is still fresh in the mind, Louis. Um, who impressed, and did anyone disappoint at all? Um,
1: the the obvious one to say is. is fernando forestieri but but you guys and most people know what forestieri is all about he, he's he's gonna score goals this season probably minimum 15 and he, he's gonna get assists and he's, he's probably gonna get sent off as well for diving um but because he's, he's just that type of player um he, he gets up he gets back on his feet but the standout after after not conceding a goal today i'm, I'm gonna have to go with tom lees um Tom Lees has been linked with clubs such as Everton and Burnley. I think Burnley offered five or six million over the summer for Tom Lees. And undoubtedly, he's one of our best or first names on the team sheet at centre-back now. And he's one of the reasons why we are winning games because we aren't conceding goals. And when he's paired with Glenn Luvens or Hutchinson, he he really is a powerhouse, strong centre-back who is going to win everything in the air and and one thing I noticed today is one of them game-changing moments where Ross McCormick was through on goal um, and he probably should have scored but due to Tom Lee's tracking back and getting that extra couple of yards on him he managed to get a challenge in and I thought that was that game-changing moment where we would have lost 1-0 on another day but because of Tom Lee's um, and his performance again that he had today he he sometimes doesn't get all the plaudits that he should do. Every Wednesday, fan knows he's a great centre back, but you always tend to look at the goal scorers and the assist assist, assist makers, such as uh, Wallace or, uh, like I mentioned, Faustieri and Hooper. But but Tom Leeds for me, he stuck out to get another another clean clean sheet and and, and going forward, he's going to be uh, he's only going to get stronger. He's only about 25, 24, 25 years of age, and um, God knows how we get him on a free transfer from Leeds United. Um, Disappointing that it's a, it's a tough one to call today because no one particularly disappointed. Uh, one thing to mention is, and I don't like saying this, but Ati Nuihu is not, it wasn't disappointing when he came on today, but you can tell he's getting to the point where he's kind of reached his prime in the championship. If he, he, now we're becoming a top six team in the championship, he, he, he probably needs to be at a lower bottom team in the league if that makes more sense he's um and that's one reason why we brought in Stephen Fletcher because he's he's an upgrade to New U um and I, I expect New U to be playing from the bench against this again this season and, and in cup competition so by all means no he hasn't disappointed but I thought he was just slightly out of his depth today he puts in a lot of work rate and hard work and tackles but actually then game-changing moments and key moments he, he just slightly lacks and he's a player what's probably only if he played every game this, for us this season he'd only score five or six goals and, and, and that's just the only part of his game and, and, and disappointing thing for me uh, but other than that no everyone the the first 11 today all played really well um, obviously that won't be week in week out we, we do play Norwich on Saturday which is a big test uh, but no I can't ask for more today with uh, three points
2: I'm currently on the flip side of this coin where it's very difficult to pick out a player that impressed me and very easy to criticise every player on that pitch. But I'll start with a couple of players that did impress me. I think Isaac Hayden, who came in from Arsenal after his uh, loan spell at Hull last season, he looked good. Uh, he looked like he could win the ball in the middle of the park and, and sort of move it simply to to a more talented player, which is sort of his role. He's just there to break up the play. And he just looked like he he, he just settled into the team seamlessly and he just looks like he's going to be a very very good player for Newcastle in in the years ahead and I think that he's coming in to replace Czech Teotay who who hasn't left yet but he's a player I expect to leave so it, it's a big shoes to fill but you know I I think he's a very very good player and from what I've read uh he's expected to go on and, and, and do good things in the game and I think Arsene Wenger uh liked him a lot at Arsenal and he just couldn't give him minutes on the pitch so I, I'm glad we've got him and I think he's a player that's going to do well for us uh as well as matt ritchie he impressed me i think he looks good on the ball he looks like he's gonna be a difficult player to uh, dispossess when he's on it he doesn't have loads of pace and skill, so he's not going to be one of those wingers that runs and runs at defenses but i think he's going to be very good and he's going to score goals he perhaps should have scored on friday when he put the shot straight at the keeper but again he just looks like he's a level above the championship so hopefully he's going to do very well for us this season in terms of disappointment I'm just going to go massively in on Jack Colback because he was awful and I don't really see what he brings to the team. He was good for us a year after he joined for Sunderland. He, he sort of had a role and he, he played well, but since then he's been awful. Uh, he sort of plays best when he's playing at a team that are against it and sort of um, trying to sustain pressure and then play on the break. And this year at Newcastle, More likely than not, we're going to be dominating matches and having most of the ball. So I think he's probably a player that is going to be dropped eventually. He just didn't do anything on uh, Friday. He was the player that was meant to get the ball and sort of make things happen. But he did absolutely nothing, and he, he just looked very, very bad. He, he looked like he belonged in League One. He looked like the Championship was above, above him, which is incredible considering he's been playing in the Premier League for all of his career. So, yeah, he, he's a player that I'm massively disappointed, and hopefully, either John Joe Shelby or Mohamed Diame come in on Friday, uh, Saturday, purely because they're, they're going to do more on the ball than Colbeck could ever wish to do. So, yeah, I hope Colbeck gets dropped. And hopefully when he does, it will improve performances on the pitch. But we're just finally going to move on to match previews where we're just going to discuss our matches next week and maybe give a prediction for that. We'll start with you, James. Um, QPR are going to Cardiff. How do you see that going?
3: I was just, just going to say, Jake, briefly, do you think Jack Colbeck thinks he's above the, uh, the championship? And that's the problem.
2: I don't think so. I mean, he—he's been a—he's played his whole career in the Premier League. So, yeah, I think he's probably—he probably—he. He he knows his level, he's sort of very low Premier League, probably top championship on his day, I just think it's a lack of confidence more than anything, he's been involved in, in this Newcastle team when it's just kept going down and down and down and I just think maybe he's lost his confidence which is understandable when you've been relegated but hopefully he does pick things up because he is he does support he's a Newcastle supporter, he's, he's a very good player on his day, I just think at the moment, he's some need. So that that's why I sort of picked him out quite a lot. But yeah, he, he hasn't been great for the last year or two. So it's probably a good thing that he's be, he's, he's on his way out of the team. And from what I've read, I think Rafa is going to drop him. But yeah, that I I just think he's just having a bad time. But he he's probably, he, I don't think he's the type of player that would think he's too good for the championship. I think there's others in the squad that would think like that. Maybe Ayose Perez, but I don't think Colback is that type of player. But yeah, if you, if you just want to talk about your game at the weekend and sort of give a prediction.
3: <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, so we got Cardiff, uh, another Sunday, another, uh, another Sunday away. La- last season, I think, um, last season we drew 2 2 at Loftus Road. And we were 2 0 up, and then they got back into it, and then I think, was it Scott Malone scored? A very good goal from kind of the left-hand side, of the, from where I'm sat, the left-hand side of the box. It, uh, annoyingly good equaliser in that late. And then uh, we dented their playoff chances by drawing 0-0 at um, Cardiff City Stadium. So, I mean, they've still got, you know, they've still got Peter Whittingham appears to still be sort of their main creative force. Um, and then I've heard that Fabio might be on the way out. It's way back when this was still a bit of an. This used to be a bit of a needle game because, uh, God, was it two thousand two, two thousand three? QPR lost to Cardiff in the then league, whatever it was called League Two or Division Two, playoff final, and it was when Wembley was being rebuilt. So I went, uh, and we, we went, and we went to the Millennium Stadium, and we watched QPR lose in extra time to Cardiff. And I think there's all, and the, and the hotel that QPR of QPR players stayed in, the fire alarms went off at four o'clock in the morning, um, the day, be- the evening before. So there's quite a lot of ill sentiment, I think, between the fans. Um, but it'd be nice to see QPR maybe, uh, uh, you know, if you want to try and do well, you've got to at least draw away. Um, and I think Cardiff did they, they, they drew, they drew with, Bir- they drew with Birmingham and they finished eighth. So they're going to be there and thereabouts, but I don't think they strengthened too much. So I, I'm, you know, I'm kind of just hedging my bets and probably saying that I, I'd love to see us get a draw. But secretly, I think that we might be able to win set up in a 4 3 as well um, with Poulter, who's a very, very hard working forward. Uh, and... Hasselbank loves to run his players into the ground. I can see if you're going to beat us, it's going to be hard. I think I'm not saying that won't happen. I'm sure QPR will get walloped plenty of times a season. But if you want to beat us, I think you're going to have to be up for it. So hopefully, hopefully we can get, hopefully we can get at least a point. Um, but Cardiff always seems to have a little bit of a sign over QPR. So we shall see.
2: Yeah. Uh, also on uh, at the weekend, it's going to be. Norwich City against Sheffield Wednesday. Obviously, Norwich had a fabulous opening day victory against Blackburn and they looked very, very good. And, and you know, living up to their pre-season billing, how do you view that one uh, going, Louis? Do you think Sheffield Wednesday can go to Norwich and get something or do you think that it's going to be just a, a step too far?
1: It is going to be very tough. Uh, for me, Norwich are going to be the team that are definitely going to be up there top two. Um, in fact, if I were putting money on it, Norwich would finish first for me. I'm afraid to say that to you, Jake, uh, (laughs) with you being a Newcastle fan. Uh, But for me, yeah, Norwich are definitely going to finish in that top two. And again, if I were putting money on it, they'd go up and they'd probably come back down again. That type of team um, at this stage, I think they've kind of reached their peak where they will go up and potentially just keep coming down and going up for a few years uh, like they have been doing. Um, Regarding the game, um, yeah, this is... For me, the hardest game of the season. So I'm quite pleased that it's um, so early in the season because we've go we're going to go there with nothing to lose. We've, we've just beat Aston Villa. Like you mentioned, they had a fantastic result yesterday, four-one against Blackburn away. So obviously, they sit top of the league after one game. Um, they've got some cracking players as well, like Wes Hoolahan uh, at this level, Stephen Naismith. They've got Ruddy and Cameron Jerome, a, 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 a typical players what are going to get you out of this league and get you promoted. So looking at the game, I would take anything or get any point from the game. If, if we can come away and we have drawn 0-0 or 1-1, I will take that any day of the week. If, if we came away with a victory, then um, I'll definitely be going to the pub that evening. Uh, but it is on TV, so I'm going to be watching watching it. But like I mentioned, I think it is going to be very tough. But it was if I was predicting a result, I'm going to be optimistic and go 1-1. Um, I believe
2: Yeah I think that's probably a fair point about Norwich they've got very very good players and I, and, and on the opening day they looked great I think they're going to set the pace early but I'm not quite sure they're going to win the league but we'll just move on to uh, Newcastle against Huddersfield now I'll let you go first Dolly what are your thoughts going into this one um, obviously Huddersfield can't really lose I mean they if they win they're just going to add more pain to Newcastle and if they lose it's they're not really gonna it's not gonna set them back too much because it's a game they probably expected to lose going into the season anyway what are your thoughts on the game and are you quite confident after what happened on the opening weekend
0: yeah I, I think I think you said it right there I think that um, winning against Brentford was absolutely massive because it allowed us to go into the game against Newcastle away and then on Tuesday night against uh, Villa away um with with a little bit of freedom uh, not necessarily the the pressure to get results early in the season um, which we've been accustomed to um, and obviously it, it allows us in a way as well to go into these games uh, without without any kind of expectation if you will because like you said when the fixtures came out I don't think any of us were expecting to to get anything um, from from Newcastle and it, it came up second game of the season and we just thought yeah it's, it's a tough start to the season. Uh, so, so the win against Brentford was important, but I think that, you know, a lot of town fans are not optimistic, but but slightly hopeful that we can cause a little bit of an upset based on how we played on Saturday. Um, I think that perhaps our strength under Wagner isn't necessarily going to be when we have to force the game. I think our strength is going to be how quick we can counter attack and how well we can absorb the pressure and then go and batter teams up the other end. And and based on what I saw from Newcastle, obviously, now I've said this, they're going to come out and absolutely wipe the floor with us. But um, based on what I saw from Newcastle, perhaps if we can exploit a couple of the vulnerabilities, I mean, even simple things like taking an early lead, you know, and then get the, the 49,000 home fans on the backs of the Newcastle players, that that would be a kind of situation that plays into our hands. Um, but if you were to ask me for a... For a prediction, what do I think will happen in the game? Um, I think that I think that Newcastle will respond. To be honest, um, I can I can perhaps see Shelby starting. Um, I don't know what you think about that, but it, I, I think that our weakness might be those those passes that you know pick us apart, and 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 when we t- when we've got our backs to goal as well. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I've got a feeling that, that Newcastle might nick this one. To be honest.
2: Yeah, I I I think that Shelby is probably gonna start if if I'm thinking about it. I think uh, a lot of people are saying how Rafa hasn't managed to do the championship before and the players might think they can walk it. But I think on Friday it was the opposite. I think Rafa played a bit too uh, paid a bit too much respect to Fulham. He played with three sort of center defensive midfielders and Anita, Hayden and Colback and he sort of played Anita on the wing. And I, I think he played very defensively and he sort of tried to keep it tight at the back. And when we had the ball and we, we had most of the possession, we didn't have the players in the team to unlock that defense. I think that's probably what's going to change on Saturday. I think Shelby's going to come in. I think Arme is, is almost certain to start. And I think that at home, there's such a good uh, feeling around the club at the moment. The fans love Rafa. We've sold so uh, more season tickets than we have in any other season, uh, more than last season and, uh, and the couple before that. So I think it's just going to be a great atmosphere, despite what happened on the first day. And I think... We're probably going to come out on top. Uh, I do fear Huddersfield purely because Fulham threatened us quite often on the break. And if we I think it's very important we get an early lead. I think the longer it stays at nil-nil or if we lose a goal, it it could become problematic and it could be like Fulham all over again. But I think we're going to set up better. I think Rafa would have learned a lot from the first game. And I think we're probably going to come out. Mate, I don't think it's going to be a huge win, but I think it might be a 2-1, 1-0 sort of thing where we just get those three points on the board and just start our season off. But um, with that, we, we're we now out of time. So um, if you have any projects you want to plug or if you just want to tell people where they can reach you, now would be a good time.
1: I'm uh, Louis. So Twitter handle is at Louis Shaft, and You can catch me anytime if you just want to uh, drop me a
3: tweet. I'm, um, so it's Jim E. Evans um, on Twitter. Feel free to send any abuse um, Yeah, in terms of other projects. I'm try, Mostly trying to win Division 1 on FIFA uh, Ultimate Team, which is going really badly.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm at Oli Fisher on Twitter. Um, and if you, by any chance, any of the listeners like a bit of Italian football, then please follow at Semperi Milancom on Twitter. Um, we're a fairly new site covering AC Milan news in English. And, uh, yeah, just go and check it out and see what you think.
2: Yeah, and my Twitter is at Jack with two ends. I write regularly for EPL Index on the Premier League. I started writing three or four times a day for the com, which is doing some really good stuff. And I think ahead of the season, that's definitely a website to check out. I also cover Dutch football for Total Dutch Football. And I write... Um, about Newcastle for NUSC 360 so basically I do just write all the time so just check out my uh, Twitter for anything more and finally thanks so much for you to tune in this week and we hope you join us again next week for more championship discussion